Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. And we are joined by friend of the show, Kenny Lowell, today from... The Combat Phase Podcast. Kenny, it is such a joy to have you on board, man. Thanks. I'm really so excited to be here. I'm a, an unabashed fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot of shows. I mean, no offense but to anyone, but this is just my favorite show for many reasons. So I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you, guys. Very kind of you to say, and that's this great. It's just wonderful to have you here to join the conversation. And, Brendan, what are we going to talk about with Kenny today? So we are going to ask the favorite question of Tyler Emerson, why Warhammer? Why do we play this game? what are the things that keep us involved in the hobby and and answering personal why questions because I think between the three of us we have really diverse interests in this game Mm -hmm. me coming from a more competitive side you know Dan you're you know more of a casual player and Kenny you're kind of a broad spectrum of a person who just unabashedly loves the game you know, from the lore, from the gaming, the hobby components of it. I mean, you were playing the Fire Slayers when they were deeply unloved. I was one of the three people that bought that army when it came out. <laughs> one of the three people, yeah. <laughs> well, I started a Facebook group. And at the time, we had uh, me, two other people, and I was actually living in Sweden when this happened. We didn't even have all of us, but one guy didn't play Fire Slayer. But now that today, the group is like 4,300 people or something on it. So it's pretty impressive. That's exciting. That is great. I thought you were just going to say four people. <laughs> well, we were up to five, but we lost somebody. So. <laughs> okay. So other than that, we've got the usual things in Whispers. We've got some new release stuff coming up in Scriptorium. And we're going to throw some questions at Kenny and this or that. Otherwise, let us move on, gentlemen, to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So we're going to start with, Kenny, your hobby. Anything in the last couple, few weeks, month that you've been working on in particular? Quite a bit. I guess if I narrow it down, I'm going to Nova Open in like less than two weeks. Scary. I've decided to actually do instead of like Age of Sigmar because I want to visit people and see some things. I'm giving myself two games that I don't really have a lot of experience in yet and one of those is the middle strategy battle game um, with a friend of mine doing the team tournament out in um, maryland and then i'm actually painting my norse blood bowl team to use for an all-day like just have at it fun thing for blood bowl so in all the things and then also assembling quite a lot of heresy quite a lot of heresy stuff from multiple armies wow. so that's pretty much what's consumed me is some deadlines that's a nice, diverse list of gaming systems. That's really cool that you're enjoying all of them. That's yeah, I'm a bit of a slut, sorry. <laughs> no problems there. That's great. So, Brendan, how about you in the last couple of weeks? I finished up Kragnos' base. Or, well, the first of many of Kragnos's bases. I'm going to try and get it magnetized to the base so that he can match the different Destruction Army basing oh, schemes that I have. Very cool. Because obviously my Cruel Boys are a really different basing scheme from like my Ogres oh, yeah. and, and things like that. So I want to be able to use them in both and not get penalized or deducted for him not quite matching what's no, going on. That's really... Unique yeah. idea. So I finished that. I built 10 of my Horse Heresy Terminators. Mm-hmm. I built 10 Terminators while you built the legs 
Thor, a dreadnought. Yeah. yeah, so that's the conversion rate on hobby is what we've learned, is 10 cataphracti terminators is equal to one set of legs for a contemptor <laughs> in Brendan to Dan time. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I just haven't found anything that like I'm really to dive into painting. I have a couple of unbuilt armies that deserve some love and attention, sure. but there's nothing that like I walk up to the desk and I'm like, I need to work on that. But yeah, did you finish the body of that contemptor? I did finish okay. the body. Then I dug you, in and you I... You closed down the hobby shop, right? That was the... <laughs> I, I left when I finished the body. It's like, I'm done now. Because I left the weapon sprue at home. It's like, oh, come on. Oh, so you didn't even finish it. No, I didn't get the arms and the weapons done. No. It's sitting right on my hobby desk at home to be worked on. Like, right out the gate this okay. week. Which legion is the Oh, I'm going to be for? White Scars. Brennan and I have had this conversation that I know there's tutorials and everything else on painting white. Kenny, I got this beautiful tone on one of them, a white tone. It's kind of a almost like a gray white on one of them, and it looks great. And then I looked at all like the that whole, the whole box, all those models, <laughs> and all so the many. detail like on the feet and everywhere else, and all the you know places where I'd usually use the wash, I can't because it's white. And I'm going. My solution is we talked about other units in the white scars that are not all white, you know, like the Keshig, are all black, actually. And in Heresy, I always think that the Legion painting, like in any of our hobby here, is guideline. You know, so do the White Scars all have to be all white? Well, no, of course they don't. The Galvorback in the Word Bearers are red and black. So I think I'm going to do is I'm going to have gray base coat, and I'm going to paint the right pauldron, which is smooth. I'm going to paint that white and get that a beautiful white color. And then the same side, the upper part of the leg armor, I'm going to make white. And then I'm going to put, I've got the sheet of transfers coming for white scars. So I'm going to put a white scars lightning bolt on the pauldron for all of my marines. And then I'm going to put the individual Chagoras icons because they have like 10 or 15 different sets of those on the transfer sheet. I'll put one certain icon for each squad on the leg. So I might actually be able to help you with something here. Okay. My Knights uh, Excelsior for the Stormcast, I did the white armor and I didn't want it to look like the GW 40K white scars. So um, I found, I don't know if you've heard of Pro Acryl as a company that makes paints. Okay. They're, they're smaller but they have amazing paints and there's one called Bold Titanium White which seems to be sold out all the time. Like at Adepticon they sold out of it on Thursday <laughs> and they, they brought quite a lot. And if all the whites out there, it is for me personally the best white. You can use it in an airbrush or paint. You can dumb it back a little bit so it matches but it could be shinier. So that I learned and then the other thing would be James Wapple, obscenely talented painter and he has a extremely cheap Patreon for uh, James Wapple, I guess Wapelius, and they have piles and piles of tutorials there and such. So okay. there's a few from there that I picked up, and I was really happy with the white armor. And there's different ways you can get to it. And yours sounds like it's pretty cool, but if you have, if you're finding some frustration or kind of like painter's block, then, you know, my, as a start, maybe pop onto YouTube and just search some of okay. uh, James Wapple's videos that aren't locked behind Patreon. Okay, will do. Thank you. That's great. Because I'm kind of stuck there. I'm working on, you know, dreadnoughts and everything else until I get it figured out. So that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you for that heads up. And I have also ordered a Durthu. Because Brennan and I have had discussion about maybe doing a night haunt type of uh, paint scheme like on him. Kind of like I did with my one Morngull. I think what I'm going to do is make that a project and try to get that to look ghosty. And see how that turns out. So Ooh. sounds like we're all pretty busy. 
So that's great. Let's move on then to pre-orders. We've got the Arcane Cataclysm box, so that's Lumineth and Zinch. Books coming out to be determined. We have two figs. We actually have a bunch of figs. We have these two figs from two new books we're going to talk about in Scriptorium. Cato is a vampire lord. He gets a mini. And Drekki is a Arcanaut captain. So both the models look very, very cool. There's also the Skaven Deathmasters coming out. Lady of Vines is coming out individually. And they have decided to release an individual cron spine, which I'm sure many people are happy about. Not <laughs> having to buy. I haven't seen the price, but it's got to be cheaper than the box. I guess they just stopped selling enough boxes, and now they're like, well, we can still get some money out of this cron spine, right? <laughs> but the, I know that a lot of people had talked about that being an issue, and I'm glad they did that. That's very cool. There's several Warcry releases, and there's a bunch of Aeronautica stuff that's coming out, too. New aircraft and rules and all kinds of things like that. So if you're an Aeronautica fan, there's going to be some stuff in the works for you. Your Kronspine um, incarnate is $60. Oh, well, that's a lot cheaper than the box then. Awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> Awesomeness. That's perfect. That's releases, really, this week or pre-order stuff. Since we're recording on a Sunday, we will have Sunday announcements, whatever they are. <laughs> Moving on to games played other than Sigmar or Heresy. Kenny, have you been up to anything other than those two? Yeah, I've been doing a few games of Middle-Earth Strategy Battle Game to learn. I'm way behind in Blood Bowl. I need to get at least a couple matches, I think, for that. Uh, but not really touching 40k until the Leagues of Botan come out and I get my Space Dwarves. So that's what but you're going to focus on in 40k then? Yeah, I mean, I like to tell myself that I'm going to do other things, but who am I kidding? Like, that's when that comes out, that's where I'm going to be. It's, so it's it, been mostly uh, like a Middle Earth strategy battle game, Age of Sigmar, and some heresy. Okay, Brendan, how about you for other stuff? Other games? I had a game night with a couple of my coworkers last weekend. Oh. Yeah, they invited me over. They play a collectible trading card Final Fantasy game oh. and like a, a new set release. So the four of us split a box. I didn't know oh. how to play. We did um, you know blind pulls and built decks sure. and stuff like that. And I pulled some cool cards. It was fun. It's neat. It's cheaper than Magic, which is nice. It has a lot of similar principles. So we did that. And then we played Mario Strikers for like two hours. And <laughs> that was a blast. Rosalina is so ridiculous as a player to have on a team. Scores from anywhere. Oh, so good. Wild. Rosalina OP, please nerf. <laughs> that's what I've been doing from a video game perspective. Cool. And, and just games and stuff like that. I discovered some undiscovered country in Tiberium Wars. I never do. I had played some of the nod side, the, the quote bad guys, mm -hmm. you know. And... I was doing a redux and all of a sudden I got to the screen and there were like three scenarios on the map and I'm going, I've never seen these before. So it was just really cool to dive into them. They were really challenging. So I finished those three and then another one pops up on the screen. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting on this one because this has got to be like the climactic battle kind of thing. Sure. So, but it was really fun in that game, which I played numerous times to find some new material and that was really cool. And then Cindy and I played a board game for the first time. It's called Trekking in the National Parks. And it's just kind of an interest, partly because, you know, we're, we got this RV adventure going on next month. It just seemed like a cool game that would be just fun for us to try. And we have some interest in the outdoors and that kind of thing. It was really cool. Pretty quick uh, learning curve. So we could both pick it up and it was actually pretty close. I think it was, what, 51 to 47 or something in our first okay. game. So competitive, but really fun. And we learned a lot about national parks, <laughs> of course. But just really cool. Uh, education in the form of entertainment. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, right? Perfect combination. If you uh, have kids, it's a really great game, I would say, for probably middle schoolers and above. 
It does have some things. We get mauled by a bear. Is that no? Is no that but an the option? cool thing is the first player marker is a bear. Okay. So that is cool. But we had a lot of fun with that. Sigmar and Heresy games. Kenny, have you played any Heresy or Sigmar since in the last couple few weeks? Yeah, I played a couple games of Sigmar with the Stormcast with my Knights Excelsior. I'm slowly painting them. It's a massive army, so <laughs> that's what I've been working on with them. And of course, assembling some stuff. Heresy's been more my attention's focused there right now. I played, I think, two games. Okay. Since, I guess, like, the last time you guys recorded playing my death guard still i'm not quite ready to put the dark games on the table okay but playing the death guard and uh, playing we have a store called noble night games that's sort of in our backyard and we have game nights there on wednesdays mm. but you know it's i have a table at home it's kind of nice i can have people come over and sure. have to pack everything up or grab all the terrain yeah, that, <laughs> that we have access to so one one and i lost one but harris used so much fun for me like the keeping track and the scoring seems almost secondary sometimes we're <laughs> like we're having so much fun oh, yeah, who won i don't know <laughs> That's good, though. That you're enjoying it so much. It's not a bad thing. It's a surprisingly good system. I won't take up all your time with it, yeah. but no. the system is just amazing. And for anybody that's like, oh, I don't want to play 7th, because this happened, my co-host kept saying that, and he finally got over it the last couple of days. Like, oh, okay. 7th, they took a lot of stuff that people hated in 7th, got rid of it, and then retooled it and made it a lot better, and then they added these reaction yes. uh, mechanics to it, yes. which kind of came out of nowhere. So it, it's such a good game. And the other thing, too, is when they designed this to bring it out, all the, the Custodes, the Mechanicum, it's all it's already out. So even though the books haven't come in our hands yet for some of those, it was designed with that balance. And there is an insanely good amount of balance. Like, they really knocked this one out of the park. Good. That's great to hear all that positive feedback. So the time we spend building our models is worthwhile, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Great. Absolutely. The only thing that, like, my real hang-up is, is I want all of my upgrades. I really want my <laughs> world leaders to really look like world leaders. I think that's the thing that's really keeping me from really just doing, like, one of my famous painting marathons where no one hears from me for weeks and all I do is work, you know, go home, paint, and then every other week podcast. And you're like, oh my God, you've painted a 4,000 point army. You're like, oh, I know. <laughs> and that's funny because Brendan, you know, he said he built his 10 cataphractic terminators, but they had no pauldrons. And their shoulder pads. He's serious about pads. it. Yeah. That's games played events. We got Nash got underway as we speak. We've got some friends that are down there. I'm sure having a good time. What about upcoming? You talked, Kenny, about getting ready for Nova. So that's your event prep at this point, right? Yeah, that's what I'm at for right now, um, as well as some smaller things here. And trying to go to an event where I actually wouldn't play Sigmar for the first time. I would play Kings of War. There's some other things coming up. Well, it's been nice for you being on our show. uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You said the magic words, man. You're gone. <laughs> we do not play like that so good okay <laughs> i've been a bubble edit that <laughs> yeah, no kidding man any other things coming out i mean brendan you still have not decided on your army for dragonfall no it'll probably be a week before i'm sure so it's probably gonna have to be with how much of an irregular schedule i'm gonna be keeping yeah we we're looking forward, you know, to kind of planning a couple of shows out. And we went over Brendan's schedule and out of town, out, out of town, town. <laughs> like all Dizzy. the way through like mid October, like town. almost every week, he weekend he's out of town. So, oh, what about this one? Uh, Maybe. I guess I'm in town. <laughs> so we marked that one out of town, right? It's just hilarious how booked he is. And it's just very popular. That's yeah, what it is. That's, so yeah, we're absolutely. not going to see you at Holy Havoc then. No, is that the same weekend no, as Dragonfall? It is the same weekend yeah, as Dragonfall. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Because I had wanted to go with that, grab somebody and head down there, but it's stuff happens. <laughs> uh, and people 
schedule their stuff when they do, and that's the way it is. You get choices to make. Yeah, it's all that's about that. That's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Any new event stuff? I don't think there is. Domus is talking about maybe running a hobby-focused events in, like, January time frame. Ooh. Okay. So. Down in his neighborhood, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. yeah too much unknown, kind of kicking it around. Nothing hammered out, but, you know, the weekend's roughly where Wapaka was. That. Okay. And it's kind of an open time, too, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, so there's... That dead space between Christmas and Adepticon. That's my favorite time to, like, just get an army done, though. Yeah. Is from, like, normally Havoc to either Pekka or Adepticon. Just get an army and just hammer it out. Get it looking nice. That's my favorite time to work on that. Perfect. My summer armies are done quickly. Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. Anything else, guys? I think that's it for events. I think that's it for right now. Okay. So we will move on to Emperor Lies. Man, what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. So we're back with Emperor Lies, and we are going to talk about why and how do we play. How do we do this? What's the motivation for playing this game and rolling dice and going places and building and painting stuff? For the listeners, I'm hoping that our very diverse experiences, you know, the way we play and reasons we play are different and so hopefully one of the things we can get out of this is to encourage you to reevaluate and maybe validate your motivations and choices that you make in terms of the game you play or games in your case Kenny you play a lot of what games are you actively involved in at this point Age of Sigmar Horus Heresy 40k sort of Blood Bowl Warhammer Underworlds sort of (laughs) Middle Earth strategy battle game you're doing a lot of different things Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah, and that's great. That is. I have a problem. Not, you have a problem, though. Not at all. Well, so this isn't actually a podcast. It's an intervention. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Damn it, I knew it. Now that we've made it public, we're here to tell you that we love you, Kenny. <laughs> we're, you know, we're here to help you. We just want you to be better. <laughs> but so next, I tell people week, when but they next weekend, like we do. are bringing the pickup truck, and we're going to start loading stuff. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> on a serious note. <laughs> The other thing I want to talk about is that what this discussion is not about, and it's not about specific list building guidance. We're not going to provide that here. There's plenty of places you can go for that, and they'll We've tell done you episodes about it. Yeah, we have ourselves. You know, you can go somewhere and find out. You know, you need to take this many leaders, and you need to take this many troops, and all. You, you can go plenty of places to find that. That's fine. They all have value, but that's not what this discussion. Yeah, is Yeah, this about. is a conversation about you, the person, and what it is that you value, and number. One, understanding that all of these different ways to participate in the hobby are equally valid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in a place like where, you know, you're not sure what you want to do next, right, it's taking the step back and answering the why mm-hmm. question, which is always good from a personal and professional perspective. But, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to translate that to a hobby oriented conversation. Absolutely. Let's talk about each one of us and let's focus on Sigmar. There's a lot of different things, but let's focus on that. Brendan, why don't you kind of start and just talk about what gets you to the table, what gets you to the hobby table, the play table, whatever it is. Yeah, so there's two things in the hobby that I really appreciate and, you know, kind of fulfill different aspects of, you know, my needs and wants triangle. The first of which is I'm an extraordinarily competitive individual. I have been in some sort of competitive sport since I was four years old. I did very high-level competitive gymnastics for about 10 years. That's not something that your body can continue to do for most folks. And I am certainly in that category of 
My body gave up on me at some point. Maybe it asked me to stop throwing myself at solid objects. <laughs> I do need a competitive outlet. I do need something where there is a designated framework, there is a win condition, but you're offered a specific set of parameters in which to do it, right? Translating from a sport that almost nobody understands and hoping that everyone gets the metaphor is in the sport of gymnastics, you know, you have the opportunity to compete and believe it's the 10 most difficult skills that you compete on a specific event, sometimes in sequence, gain you access to a certain number of points. And then from there you have deductions on execution, right? There is a box in which you operate in. And and the skill set that you should pick should always be the set of skills that you are going to be able to execute most excellently or if you are competing a higher level skill one that where the deductions aren't going to hurt you so much okay so translating that to the hobby component of it is you are given 2000 points to win in a specific set of missions, right? It should be something that fits your play style or if it's outside of your play style, that the level of uncomfortableness isn't going to impact you in such a way where it's going to hold you back from your ability to do that winning. I really need a competitive juices kind of thing. I'm okay playing a list that isn't at the most competitive version of it if I've taken every bit of blood from that rock and taken it as far as it'll go. But there's still that competitive nature in you. For example, when you took the Sylvaneth to Vault Wars, it wasn't an optimi an optimal army for you in terms of your playstyle and stuff, but you still wanted to win something. Yeah. You wanted to win best of worst, as it were. Yeah. You know, the best underdog. of underdog. You, you had a goal and you wanted to win that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's that competitive part of you, even though it was a different kind of an army for you to play. Yeah, and then the other bit of this hobby that's really important for me is the hobby painting side of this. Mm -hmm. I am an engineer by trade. There is a lot of like really technical, really mathematical, really analytical parts you know, of my day. And like when I get to do some creative expression work, you know, it's a creative system. It's, you know, mm. it is still more numbers. It is still more systems. It is still more legislative rules and things like that. <laughs> the actual hobby component of putting colors onto models and bringing them to life is really important for me because it stimulates that other half of my brain that really doesn't get much work in my day-to-day -day outside of hobbying. The opportunity to kind of push myself because this is the first area where I would say that like I have some of like the most room to grow, like where there is a lot of potential where I can see, you know, benefit from trying different paints and different techniques and mm -hmm. approaching a model with a different color set in mind, you know, kind of like what my Kragnos was, where I approached it with a really limited range of colors that I wanted to execute on and then paint that model. Mm -hmm. So that's what keeps me, you know, doing this, right? The lore isn't super, you know, big and important to me. Like there's some cool lore. Like when I really key in on something, like it's really fun, like Bone Reapers where mm. like, oh, this is a cool army front to back. It looks cool. It does cool stuff. It's got a cool story. Like the, the play style is really cool. That's great. I really enjoy it's checking that. all the boxes. Exactly. But you know, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, oh, well, you know, like the lore in, I don't know, corn, I'm like, it's cool, man. Like I... <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I'm happy for you. Sure. So, yeah. Kenny, how about you uh, for this part of uh, the question? So, I think for me, one of the things is when you get older, you get to, I think, less opportunities to use your imagination. You know, when you're a kid or like, you're younger, like you can kind of do whatever. And it's not saying that you don't have imaginations as you get older, but I don't find, like, in my day to day work that I get an opportunity a lot to really just kind of go wild with it and just, you know, 
use your imagination for a world of backstory, these these characters and such. So, I mean, this gives me a great chance to do that because the other thing really, I think if I'm like going on the top of the list is for me, it's an escapism. Right now, the world is <laughs> kind of difficult, but even maybe more so than usual. And you maybe have a chance to see a lot of people. So, you know, like I've been working all the time. I get home, I'm usually kind of wrecked. You know, can't do any like physical or mental work because <laughs> I'm just zoned out from work. But I really need that part of escapism. I mean, I may have a rough week. You're looking forward to this one game at the end of the week or whatever it is. You know, that's kind of like that driving force is you get to do that. Because for me, it's a visual hobby, but it's also a very social hobby. And amidst the pandemic, it's been kind of difficult to be social. So, like when Adepticon opened back up again, it's been like what three years or something. So we were super excited to like get together and have like hobby time and uh, with your friends, and then with you know kind of Warhammer on the side. But yeah, it's, I think that just that escapism for a lot of people, even if they don't recognize it, is so crucial. And this is a great outlet for that. So for me, it's kind of a combination of things. I certainly, you know, I've talked about many times after we review a battle tome, nine out of 10 times, I've got an army in my head from what we just talked about. And it's not going to be optimized. It's not going to be, in most cases, like super competitive. It's just what I picture as a cool army and the units that I think are cool and the combination of those units, like a cavalry army. I always, right away, if the army has that, that's one of the things that always comes out of my head. So when I look at what I'm going to play, because that's part of this, it's also that I'm playing for a combination of things. I And anybody who tells me, this is just my opinion, of course, anybody who tells me that they don't go to a tournament to win, that they're just there to have a good time, I just think they need to have kind of a, a check on that because you're going to a competitive event and the purpose of the games is to win. You need to be honest, I think, and Brendan, you're going to give us some feedback. I, I think totally you, disagree, but okay, continue. Yeah, I think that you're going there to win games. If you don't win games, I think you're going to be a little disappointed, but it shouldn't be something that keeps you from enjoying your experience. If I'm going to build a list, like my very first list, which is this stupid soup list, I had no expectation of winning because I'd never played the game really before. And did I enjoy winning the one game? Oh yeah. When I, when I won that one game, it was awesome and it was exciting. And the army I had, I enjoyed playing it. And that's really, for me, part of it is the social aspect. That's big. Kenny, you mentioned that as well. I just love hanging out with people, some that I know, some that I've met for the first time and hopefully will become friends. That's very important. But the other piece of it isn't going there with the expectation that I'm going to go 5-0, and 4-1. If I win something, that's great. And I'm going to always play to the best of my ability, you know, when I go to an event. But if I don't win three games, I win, go two and three, I'm fine with that. And I'm going to walk away and say I had a great time. I played hard and I made the effort. You know, next time maybe I need to get more practice games in or something like that to make sure that I can do a little bit better. Brendan just has this focus on winning and that's great. That's who he is and that's how he plays. I think we each play differently. You know, we've all three mentioned we play for different reasons and we go to competitive events or whatever the events are. Even in a narrative event, like, you know, the Depticon one run by Mortal Realms, which was so much fun last year when I played in that. This past, what am I saying last year? <laughs> it seems that long. It's, it's all a blur. Yeah, right. <laughs> this past Adepticon, the, where everybody came back, I just had a great time. But I didn't realize until I'm playing the games there that you're still playing to win. I mean, people, even a couple people brought some stupid lists. I mean, they were just beat the heck out of people lists. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was a narrative event, right? But you're still playing to win. 
when you go to the table, even if you're trying to tell a story with the results from the battle. The winning or losing is part of telling the story, is what it becomes in that kind of a setting, rather than, you know, this is your record or this is your standing in the tournament at that point. That's kind of my initial thoughts on why I play the game, what I enjoy about it. Certainly I enjoy the hobby piece, getting those ideas in my head of colors, like you talked about, Brendan, with your Kragnos, but mm -hmm. I just like to, I don't know, just throw paint on and see what how it turns out based on what's in my head making that translation come to life whatever it is you kind of bob ross it a little bit yeah it's, it's a happy good. little sword That's here a good reference right sure why don't we move on and talk about does the answer to the why question which we just gave drive your faction selection in aos and how if it does so brennan how about you does that competitive nature of yours drive specific factions that you play oh very callously yes the primary motivator is if i'm hobbying on this what am i doing with it to get me to the place where i need to be which is in a winning position in a winning state and i have taken whole projects and pushed them to the side because this other thing that just came up is the thing that's going to put me into that position. Now, from there, you can grade out, you know, kind of those lower expectations of, like, if I have two things that I feel equal about in terms of their ability to achieve a competitive game state, then it flips over to, well, do I want to hobby it? If I feel like I can do both, if both of them can bring me to that place, do I want to hobby one more than the other? You know, do I find one more interesting than the other? Does one fit my play style a little more than the other? And that'll be the splitting decision. But if there's an army that I'm just like painting and hobbying on <laughs> slash and there are things that are more competitive oriented for what i'm looking at then it's getting pushed all the way to the side we'll come back to it at some point mm -hmm. or if the wheel turns and it's really competitive then oh guess what you're on the table now that's what drives the decision making so much more often than not i obviously have quite a few armies that are done so the playing is really easy is if i have a bunch of stuff that's already done that's in that place then cool like then it's just picking what do i want to do your why definitely drives that. How about Kenny for you? Not quite as much. I think what really drives it for me is the models. Mm. It just looking at them and thinking, okay, I could do this as a nice theme. They're great models. They have conversion potential. Some factions I just don't like. Like the Middle Earth is the only first time and probably the only time I've had elves in any game. I've never I've never done a death faction. Uh, most of mine we're going to order in some chaos. But for the most part, I think the models now, as far as it would saying earlier about like uh, escapism and having a chance to meet with people if like in a local scene we only have so many players and maybe you know this many at least many, this uh, army over here like you know no one's playing that right now so maybe like something i could do to kind of fill in or like heresy we're like you know we actually need like a loyalist player or two <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. trying to, to, to fit that need so that you can in turn have more games and have, have more variety to them i'm always about not the models so much in terms of the hobby piece it's more, what does my mind throw together as we're going through the book? And if I had an interest, like, I still have this weird interest in Nurgle. So occasionally I'll pick up the book and I'll be like, oh, mm, what kind of maybe. an army? Yeah, right. Could I put together? Well, everybody's playing Blight Lords. You know, I what I'm else could I do? Boys. Yeah, right? Or it could be... Like the Sylvaneth just have fascinated me for reasons I stated in the last you know, show. Well, and this is the strength of 3.0 books is they're really compelling in terms of what they offer for all kinds of hobbies. Yes. That is one of the yep. extreme credits that I think people 
maybe don't talk about enough for Games Workshop is that mm-hmm. they have nailed the 3.0 yeah. book. One of the things that I think is a disservice to the community as a whole, there's certain people who value it, but when people come up with tier lists, you know, like, oh, these are the ones that are always winning, and if you want to play and you want to win, you get... I just think that that is... For a small portion of people, that's valuable. But for most people, it misleads them, I think, in some ways. Because just because an army is winning a lot doesn't mean that any person can pick that army up and win with it. For me, again, it's more what do I think is cool? What do I think would be a cool combination? You know, like I've talked to Brendan numerous times about a giant tree list, you know, all you know, having a couple of Durthus so and many. tree lords and tree lord ancients. And yeah, we'll have a couple of tree revs here and there, but it just would be cool. And I think it would be fun to play. Would it be competitive? I don't really care. I'll probably win a few games anyway. I actually have a question for the both of you. Yes. Okay. okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, this really hasn't changed for 3.0, but I agree with Brendan about the books being spot on. But when you get your battle tome, like what's the first thing you look at when you open it up? So I, I go right to the gallery in the middle that two-page spread like oh man that's really what got me with the hobby in the first place it's like look at that that looks amazing that's a good question how about right, you, you brendan some people start at rules some people start at the beginning of the lore i'm just curious where the two of you start i start at the rule section yeah. i flip right to where the battle traits are and i work my way linearly through the book and I just do that, right? I don't read it in the way that like we present the shows, right? Where we do battle traits and then heroes mm-hmm. and then enhancements and, and back and forth. Like I go through the enhancements and I go, oh, these are interesting. I wonder how this is gonna, you know, piece together with the rest of the things I'm about to see. And that's the way I approach it and then finish out at the points. And then I go to the beautiful shiny pictures and like, if like I'm really in, then I'll read the lore section, but I can name maybe three battle tomes where I've read the lore section. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For me, it's the rules, but it takes a lot of work for me to be able to do the matrix and connect all the things and, you know, what thing is best with this thing. And, you know, people like Brendan are really good at that. They see something and they right away, they can connect it with something else. I'm not that way, but I think just doing battle tones for so long now i've gotten used to doing the same thing brendan talked about i'll go right to the allegiance abilities i'll look and see oh that's really cool and i'm not thinking from a competitive perspective but just like oh well i can move my units around the board that's awesome that whole ability or this particular artifact you know where you can automatically cast a spell and it's successful every turn wow that's really cool just that it's a neat thing and it has a neat mechanic and then again i will read the rest of the rules always when i find something like tree revs they i think they are my favorite unit in sylvaneth i certainly like the big guys but i just love their ability to move around combined with the models combined with their other rules they're just cool that's kind of how i look at a book kenny it's always an interesting discussion i think sometimes. i think you're right i think that's a great question then the next thing i have notes on here is a time investment in terms of how it relates to your personal play motivation. So we've all talked about why we've talked about some drivers in terms of time investment. You mentioned something about that, Brendan, already. What does your motivation mean in terms of the time investment that you have to put in to get, you know, the army that you want? Mm Mm-hmm. The time it doesn't matter to me, right? Okay. Like if it's something that serves the purpose of getting me to the place where I need to be competitively, I will get up early. I will stay up late. I will put whatever time it is to meet the deadline that I'm pushing for. Mm-hmm. If I have a specific goal in mind, that's what's going to happen, right? You know, like I will find ways and means to get three dozen games in, you know, between here and there, mm-hmm. and become an absolute de facto expert on what it is, like. 
you know, Nick True puts it away specifically in the way that, you know, that I approach not just my hobby stuff, but the things I really want to do in life is there's no such thing as halfway doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And there's almost no such thing as going all in. I'm one and a half times in <laughs> if I'm in. Yeah, it's uh, you, all right. Yep. If I view this as the path I have to take to do this thing, then there's no such thing as taking too much time. Like, obviously, that comes with the balancing life and making sure that, like, you eat and take care of yourself and, yeah, and do right, all the things associated right. with that, right? But, like, you're looking at your schedule and you're going, how do I do this? There have been times where, like, I would paint on lunch breaks, right? You know, because mm -hmm. getting another five hours out of the week, you know, was... Well, that's five more hours I didn't have. Well, you were talking about traveling to the wedding and you took Kragnos with you to help get that done. <laughs> yeah. I had time to kill. I don't like my hands not doing anything. It's not great for me. Yeah. But the other part of it is, right, like if there's not something that's pushing me from a competitive hobby perspective, the actual hobby component of it is, you know, like where I am doing something that's like a painting project for the sake mm -hmm. of painting and, and working on something specifically, like I'm happy to spend the time, but like it's not spent in like this manic frantic way where like I got to get it done like my slaves of darkness stuff where I was really pushing what can I do with contrast paints mm -hmm. and I was happy for it to take time mm -hmm. right you know to approach it an hour and a half here or you know maybe I sat down and I was like I just got into it and six hours later boom done mm. painted Varengard ready to go or you know Archeon which spanned weeks yeah. right you know like right yeah yeah just approaching the model diligently from each individual step time investment to me is right now is nothing right because the only time investments I have are my choice sure not like you you know where you have you know your wife Dan and, and you guys got to do things together and like yeah. you have yeah. all of this other service items that you like to participate in. It's, for me, right. it's go to work, come home, work out, paint. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, or play video games, whatever. Like, right. And all of that is up to me. Right. Yeah. Like, even going to work, right? Like, if I decide to just, you know, fall off the reservation, that's my MO. Right. But you do it to the utmost if you were going to fall off the reservation. Yeah. I, you like, do it the best you can. Okay. How about you, Kenny, man? What's your thoughts on time investment in terms of how you play and why you play? So I always overdo everything, I think, as far as like planning. <laughs> I mean, so I just think like, I, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids that I know of. So like, that's, that's <laughs> always a great little thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do after work or you know, on the weekends and such. So I do have more time for that. I like to make the time. But, you know, like I said earlier, coming back from work, just after working, you know, we're a small staff working like all the time just kind of like fried at the end of the night and sometimes can't really like do the hobby or, or read anything of the rules or novels and such. I would definitely make the time for it. However, on the other side of that is, and I'm sure people run into this where it's no longer fun, like you kind of turn it into a chore mm. um, or the, you know, this deadline you have to do. And yeah. that's, that's where I have a problem and I'm trying to get over because I'll use, I will have like so many different armies and projects going on at once and you know, I'm never going to get one done. So I think that you should be re realistic with your time and expectations where you, know, you make the time for it because it's a lot of fun. This is your hobby. This is your escapism. Make it work, but at the same time, don't go too far and make it a chore because then it just becomes more work and it just like defeats the purpose. Sure. And you both bring up, you know, your perspectives in terms of your lifestyle at this time is the fact just that call you... call what it is, single guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you do have that time. And I'm at a point where... My wife and I are both fortunate that we're both retired and we have 
a lot of choices we didn't have just probably, you know, a year ago that that we make now that we didn't. We don't have kids at home. So for all the listeners who have kids, we understand. Believe me, what's important to you? <laughs> Let's just be honest. If painting models is more important than others, some other things, I, I don't know. Call us. We'll be happy to talk to you about that. But Call Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I think you brought up something that is when it becomes a chore, I just don't want to do it again. I'm going to put it away. And the fact that I have a painted, a painted army, it's like, woohoo, I've got every model I need for Night Hunt now. There's nothing I need to paint. I don't have any motivation from that perspective, but there's heresy now. So that's all building and doing a little bit of painting on the side. And I don't mind investing that time. And now that we're kind of starting up an informal hobby night again, I know I'm going to have some time to do that. It just depends. I think a lot of it is where you are in life and what your obligations are as to what kind of a time investment you're going to make, no matter how competitive you are or how competitive you're not. You know, if you're just playing much more casually, a lot of it depends on what your other things are and the priorities you set, you know, in terms of time investment, because time is the one thing you can never get back. You can't buy more of it. You can't do anything. There's just a set amount of it. And we all make those choices in terms of time investment versus our personal play motivation and things like that. Unless you have a DeLorean, though, because then you can do stuff this time. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Science fiction is such a beautiful thing. It's both science and fiction combined, right? One of the things I wanted to do here, too, is kind of define the word hobby, because we say that a lot. And I think there's a lot of aspects to this. There's buying and stuff. That's part of the hobby, whether you like it or not. And some people focus on that. We kind of laugh about people who have stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes or some people who have them hidden in closets. You know, there's the building part. So you got them bought. You Now you got to build them. You got to put them together. Some people love that part of it. They buy them and they put them together and you see all this great plastic sitting around. But that's what they love to do is the building part. That's where they get satisfaction out of the quote hobby. The painting part for a lot of people is huge. They do the other two steps and now I'm going to get this army painted. And then when it says painted, it's like, this is a gorgeous piece of work. This is amazing. And they don't really have a lot of interest in playing the game. They just wanted to, then there are people like that who just love painting armies. And there's some people who do it professionally, which is really cool too, you know, that they can do both things. They can get their love of painting satisfied and they can make some money on it. That's really a cool thing. I wished I had that kind of talent. And then there's, of course, the playing part. A lot of people put minimal effort into the other stuff just so they can get to the table and roll dice. And you just see that in quality of armies. Some people can do all that. They can just bring an unbelievable army to the table. We've all seen plenty of those kind of armies. And they can really play the game. And they love playing the game as well. So I think it's just a combination in terms of hobby, where you want to put your time in and what you enjoy the most out of those different components. I think there's one more part of this, which is the social component. Okay, sure. Where a lot of people do use this larger hobby capital h as a means of having a friend group and relating Mm. to people and having things to look forward to and you know scheduling events and stuff like that like i'm real excited for us to you know hopefully get a hobby night you know going again because before covid that's something that really enjoyed was, yeah. you know, everyone coming over to the house, you know, on Tuesdays and some people play games and some people would paint and some people would build and we'd just hang out and catch up. You had that big table kind yeah. of set up there long one. You yeah. know, now we're going to try and have it at the hobby shop. Yeah. So like that's important, right? There are some people where 
they don't have a local community and they go to these events to socialize and be with people who have a focused common interest, which is the game of Warhammer, and then building out their friend group from that, you know, mm-hmm. finding people who play this game, but also share similar world and life beliefs about other things and having people who appreciate that and the other things the same way. You know, because there are a lot of people that do this and we all come from different walks of life, but we have this one thing that we share. We Mm -hmm. share it in common. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on a little bit. Is there one aspect, we just talked about all the aspects of hobby. Brendan, what is your, you know, aspect of the hobby do you enjoy more than any of the other? Playing hard games. Playing hard as nails games, tough list versus tough list, good missions, Mm. right? Like you're playing someone with a list and they know what they're doing. Mm. I love a game that's going to go deep into five and you are having to pull out all the stops, the whole bag of tricks, right? You know, the, in your head, you're seeing all the equations float by and, and you're like, okay, that's how I win. That is my bar none favorite thing. So many of those games are infrequent, but those games to me are really special they're just the best. Even when you lose, you yeah. know, you've oh. had that experience. You pushed your car all the way to 220 miles an hour and like, yeah, you didn't win the race, but whew, there wasn't anything you could have done differently. Those are my favorite. How about you, Kenny, in terms of all the different aspects? Cheat, I think I'd say too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Brendan just said about having those really close games where it really comes down to you know, maybe a dice roll, maybe that like just who was able to pull out that last ditch effort in that last game. And those those are just like super exciting for me. Like I want to walk away with, with a game having a story to tell. You know, mm-hmm. like, if it's an event, you may sit down at the bar and tell people immediately, but you have some kind of story to go with you. But on the other side, the collector aspect is really important for me, which I guess would be buying and assembling. If you're going to do a converting, do that. And I really, I'd stop there and not go into painting, but just the collector aspect of me. I got to get a small one. That's just a sort of a thing that's a bit compulsive, but I've learned to just kind of roll with it and that, you know, just embrace it. It's going to happen. No cognitive dissonance. Sure. I think Brendan brought it up and added it to the list there is the social part for me. That's the aspect I enjoy the most. Even if I know I'm going to a really tough event that I'm just going to meet people that I haven't either met before or played before. I might know them, but I've never, you know, like, rolling against Tanya this last, when I uh, had a chance to play against her at Vault Wars. All these years we've known each other and we never rolled dice. It was just awesome to have a game against her. And it's that kind of stuff that I really enjoy. Of course, I like to win. I was an athlete one time and played D1 football. You know, I understand what it means to win and lose games, whatever sport you're playing. You know, and with Night Haunt, if I ever go three and two, I think I'm just going to quit that then. It's because uh, <laughs> I've been trying for years to go three and two. And of course, it's always some stupid. It's going to happen eventually, Dan. Like <laughs> It's some stupid Dan move that just like, oh, come on. Really? I was two and one going into day two. And like, oh, God, no. Did you just lose both games? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's just that piece of it. I do enjoy, you know, getting that box, opening it up building the model, looking at that gray plastic and going, okay, what can I do with this? Ending up with something that's really cool. That's all great. Just hanging out on Thursdays now or whenever else, going to some event and just hanging out with people is very, very cool. Part of it for me. I think it's part of that too is, you know, like the pandemic has had obviously a massive like, sure. on everything. Sure. But I think the need, the desire to connect, uh, and now that you can do that in person more than you could over like a Discord or something, I think is 
you know, a pretty big factor in it for a lot of people, and they may not Agreed. realize until they're there. I've seen people like they go to like Adepticon or an event that we had recently, and oh my god, I've forgotten that this is like why I love this. And mm. you know, there's people around here, and they you kind of just you know, we've been isolated for a few years now. Um, so sometimes it's a very nice surprise. It is wonderful. Come away from an event invigorated. You know, like you like to yeah. come out of an event going, okay, cool. I'm yeah. going to play this now. I have an idea. I'm going to do this list of this conversion. Yeah. Just something. <laughs> I love when you leave. Like, or not necessarily even an event, a game night or something, just like you know, reinvigorated. Like you're just, your battery's charged. You know, you mm-hmm. have that motivation to go. And that's a really rewarding part. An aspect of that is too, when you go to events, you see stuff. And you hadn't thought about it before. And you're like, that is an awesome conversion. Or to, this is what you were talking about. Or I just saw this model that was painted this way. Maybe I should try to do something like that. And you never would have imagined it if you hadn't gone and see something that was really cool like that. You'd be like, oh, what are those beastmen? I remember that. I, I didn't remember those. <laughs> yeah, right. <Beastmen. laughs> sure. <laughs> you're not forgetting about beastmen nowadays. That's no, for sure. No, They're for sure. a bit better now. Yeah. Uh, God. And the next thing, and I think you alluded to it a little bit, Kenny, talking about things becoming a chore instead of, you know, enjoying your hobby. The question I'm going to ask is, is it okay to take a break? You know, there are times when we just say, hey, I need to not go to events or I need to not be painting. I need to do other things. I want to do other. I don't need to, but I just want to do other stuff. Maybe I want to concentrate for some guys. It's I enjoy RPGs. And I really want to do that now and take a break from Sigmar or whatever it is. Or maybe I enjoy board games a lot or whatever it is. So I guess the general question is, is it okay to take a break and then ask you personally, what do you think you would do as an alternative if you decided to take a break from Sigmar? That's a good question because not that COVID is a positive thing. COVID where the world shut down around us came at the right time for me in the midst of the hobby right at around that point i was feeling pretty burnt out on competitive play where 2018 into 2019 i was on a real hot streak of winning events and being very competitive and all that and i was at a point where it felt like i was having undue expectations placed on me both internally and externally that if i wasn't winning an event you know that I had done something wrong or, oh, what had happened. And I was like, I just want to go back to, you know, playing the armies I really enjoy and pushing them as far as I could take them. Having a extended period of time where there wasn't even the opportunity to play games, I found really refreshing. It allowed me to, you know, fall back in love with the actual painting part of the hobby where, you know, that's what I could put my energy towards and, you know, spending the time to improve it and all of that stuff. So it's totally fine to walk Mm -hmm. away. You don't owe anybody anything. Mm -hmm. You can just do whatever you want to do. It's a hobby. It's war dollies. Like no one's making you be here. If you don't enjoy it, then don't do anything with it. Like I've been pretty open about, I don't really like this handbook. I've not been super high on 3.0 and I really don't like this handbook. I don't play a lot of games. That has historically been kind mm. of an unusual thing for me. Sure. I'm, you know, Dan, you'll vouch for it where, you know, when I'm in the midst of like a competitive mindset, I will play minimum two games a week with somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what it is. And now, honestly, you know, to validate, if I asked you to play a game, you'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Or the Dias cast asked you to come on or something. But otherwise, you're just happy to do other things now. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing to not see you playing games, but that's kind of where you are. There's not mm-hmm. any list I'm really pushing for. There's not like a zillion events on my calendar. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's 
separate scheduling things too as well right. but like even if there were other events to go to like i don't know that i'd be making like big trips you know like i probably yeah. would have gone to nashcon but that's for the social aspect of love the event that david griffin runs i love mm-hmm. hanging out with a bunch of the tough crowd guys mm-hmm. it's a cool format neat i would take something that i want to see how far i can push it sure it's totally fine to walk away from time to time and you come back and like you know that's totally fine too. It doesn't have to be a couple weeks. It doesn't have to be a couple months. Like the community will be here. It'll probably be a little bit different than when you left, but largely I think the community is always, you know, going to be in good hands where it's being stewarded by folks who by and large want what's best for the community at large, which is to preserve a welcome and open space where people can be accepted and play what they want to play and participate in the way that they want to participate. Sure. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Kenny, I'm going to kind of add a couple of pieces to that question for you because we know you're playing other stuff. So the question stands, is it okay to take a break? But for you, if you're taking that break, is it like a break from Sigmar that you're transitioning into other gaming systems? Are you investing time in both? How's that working for you? Well, I think, you know, first off, it is okay to take a break. You may want to use that break to get into a different game. It doesn't have to be a tabletop game. Maybe a video game or you know, mm-hmm. card games or yeah. board games. But I think it is, it's really healthy to be able to have, like, the wherewithal to realize, okay, wait, I need to step back. I'm not enjoying this as much. Or there's something that I just don't like right now. You know, like, there's a barometer for that. I mean, it's good to just to generally see how you feel. So I'm going to confess, I mean, it's a little personal, so I don't... Several years ago, before I moved to Wisconsin, I kind of felt like I needed, like, you know, weekly well, therapist, you know, just kind of just help. There's a lot of stress and stuff going on. And what I ended up doing, actually, is I took that money that I would pay her each week and put it into uh, Warhammer instead. Because <laughs> I found like it was it was lasting longer and it was doing uh, more <laughs> for me. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, meeting people in the social aspect of it than actually, you know, sitting down with a therapist. So that's kind of where I've, I've been the whole point. Um, at, at this time, I, I have to think about that when I realize, okay, I have to maybe take a break from something. Because a lot of times I think that pressure comes from feeling like you don't have enough time, but also feeling like the game you're into isn't in a healthy place at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the armies you have aren't just like they're just negative play experiences or, or you know, <laughs> really bad play experiences. I think there's a few different factors that can tell you why you may need to, to identify and step away from one game. I, for me, I can't imagine myself taking a break from mini war gamings in general. It's just, mm. it's like so ingrained in me. So mm. my, you know, my escapism's there too, right? So I could just switch to another game. Yeah. You know, and I want to come back to Sigmar. But I, I think it definitely is okay to take a break. I would make sure that you know you identify like why it is you're taking the break. You mm. know, even write that down on a notepad or something. Like you know, also if it's about the game of the army, um, the chances are if you take a break and you come back in a few months, you know, even if it's like four to six months, there might be an FAQ or like the another book came out. And, you know, we might have like a twelfth book or and kind of in the back. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what kind of sucked? Maybe you know the points have dropped. Like Bristol Nash. Like now I'm easy to get into Slanesh again. You know, so if you take a little break, maybe the FAQ will swing back in, in your favor and, you know, <laughs> solve some of those problems for you. Sure. And, you know, Brendan was talking about this particular handbook isn't something he's enjoying very much. Well, the good news about it being every six months, at least we'll get a chance to see what they come up with next a little more frequently than having to wait till next summer. So that's one positive aspect of it changing so often, right? I think we're all in agreement. I think most people would be in agreement that it's okay to take a break. And I think it's important, Kenny, your point that you kind of need to think about why you're doing it though, because th- you found some value in this hobby in the first place. And it's 
you know, meeting a need of yours, whatever that is. And so all of a sudden, if you decide, well, I really don't want to do this anymore. Well, okay. So what's going to meet that need for you? What is it that you get out of the game? What is it that you enjoy that you're going to walk away from? And maybe you won't be able to find in another gaming system or in something else that you're going to invest time in. Because again, we talked about how time is very valuable and you only have so much of it and you can only do so many things. And if you're playing four game systems, like our dear friend, Kenny, you know, as much as he might enjoy one of them, he's still only got X number of hours to play four game systems. So you're going to have to decide how to ration that time so that you get a little bit with each thing. But obviously you have one that you enjoy more than the others. You know, I think about a couple of friends of ours, Brendan, that we you know share that talked about the fact that they just weren't enjoying Sigmar. You know, right away it was just like, oh, well, what's going on? You know, just to ask him what's, and you know, they went through why they were just like, great, that's awesome. You know, that you're, you thought about it, you're making that choice. These other things are more important to you. A couple of times it was family things. You know, mm-hmm. I've got this now and I've got these obligations. My kids are growing up or we've got this other thing going on. It's war dollies. I love when the first time I heard you say that, I love that term, you know, it's, but that's all it is. Yeah. It's deeply unserious. Like when you look at it, like we, <laughs> if you're objective about it, yeah, we commit a lot of time and energy to this but like at the end of the day (laughs) it's cool i'm glad that it's something that everyone enjoys but like it's totally transient you can do war dollies in a totally different way shape or form right Mm -hmm. you know like you can play a song of ice and fire you can Mm -hmm. go to napoleonics like you can do different war dollies it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be this war dollies right there are Mm -hmm. so many other kinds of war dollies yeah, and there's so many other ways you can play games. You know, if you're into the historical aspect for some reason or the narrative, there are a lot of games, either board games or video games and stuff that tell stories. Like if you're really into storytelling, like play a, an RPG. Right, you, know. you could do that. And I'm just thinking of, you know, this past winter when I went down to Freeport to play some historical games. I'm thinking of that Russian Civil War game that we played. A bunch of people were in it. And that... Ah, uh, yes, very narrative. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, I felt like I was living through the Civil War because of all the dynamics and the really cool way the rules interacted. It told a story. And that's the narrative piece. Of Can't wait for of the Russian Civil War National Parks Edition. Oh, yeah, that'll be wonderful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, don't go there, man. That was it for, I think, the last question I had for all of us. Final thoughts, Brendan, on this whole issue of why? Yeah, so like we talked about at the, at the front end of this, you know, asking yourself the why question is one of the most important things you can do personally and professionally in your life is gaining an explicit understanding of the person you are and what your motivations are. I've been very fortunate in my life professionally to have a really clear understanding of my why motivators in the workplace. I think answering the why question as a person is always a little bit harder. Really getting to know and understand yourself and why you do the things that you do can always be a little bit of a tougher thing to accept because right there are these social constructs that you have to work within and everyone's a little bit different and everyone has their own journeys and everyone has you know these different obstacles that, that they're battling with. Taking that why question, applying it to your hobby is a subset of the why question of you yourself. This is something that you've identified that you enjoy. Why? How do you do that thing in such a way where you are going to minimize your lack of enjoyment and maximize the time mm. that you spend in it to enjoy it? Because there are people you know, who do have families and do have these other obligations where time is not the thing that is most available to them. Mm-hmm. So 
when you are spending your time on this, how are you getting the most out of it? You know? Sure. And the moment that it stops being fun or enjoyable for you as a person is when you really need to step back and ask the why question again. And then the next question you have to ask is, how did I get so far away from where I need to be? Right. Like that's what it is. So I hope that maybe some of you have taken part in this conversation, you know, on the one side of this and asking yourself the question of, you know, like, why are you doing it? And for some folks, it's really easy, right? You know, my answers are straightforward. If like you. If it's not helping me be competitive or it's not me participating in a very specific, like, painting activity, then mm -hmm. I don't care. And I'm not going to do it. And I'm not interested in it. That's where okay. I'm at. Yeah. I want to say one other thing, Kenny, before I get to you with Brendan, is I have to disagree with him a little bit. He mentioned, you know, if it's not towards improving my competitiveness or it's not towards painting stuff, there's one other aspect of Brendan that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, but some people are, is that he does enjoy teaching the game. He doesn't mind playing against a person who's learning the game and trying to get better at the game. Yeah, he's going to kick your butt. And I've experienced that many times, but he's also a good teacher. And I also learn a lot when I play him. I think that's another part that I think he enjoys, whether he admits yeah. it or not. He enjoys that aspect of it. And I've seen it on the table. We've talked about it before. When he's just smacking somebody around, he will stop and he will teach for a moment or he'll give that person a decision point. If they make the bad choice, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to kick your butt now. I'm just, it's done. I gave you a choice to step away, but nope. Here we go. And, and here comes the boulder. <laughs> yeah. So that's another aspect, I think. Brendan does enjoy this. So, Kenny, how about yourself? I mean, I think you said a lot of it there. Personally, I think about the motivation, like, what is it that has inspired you? And it might be on Netflix, you know, there's like trillion shows, right? And they're coming out with um, some shows based off of books or IPs that we like. So something gets your, your juices flowing there. And I think it's really important to identify that itch and what scratches it. Because with a lot of war gamers and even, I think, changing periodically to another system or, you know, or sci-fi to fantasy or vice versa, there's something about that that really... Uh, scratches that itch for you. And I think that identifying what that is <laughs> and learning how to do it, I think is very important. You know, it's also good to know now that uh, Geek has been, you know, more mainstream and that's, that's uh, a topic for the podcast. That's a good point. point, yes. But I mean, you have even things, for example, like Henry Cavill, like the actor and, you know, getting into this and, you know, and of course they're going to have fun that and, and work with that. But if, I think it feels more acceptable, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a decade ago we would go to an event at a hotel and then other people would like, why are you guys here? And you're like, oh, we're just playing with toy soldiers. And cool. <laughs> Versus, oh, yeah. hey, we're playing this game. So you don't, you know, you can let people know. I think it, there's a stigma that's not really there uh, as much as it used to be. Well, I think that's a really good point. You know, I as ancient as I am, I was around when D&D &D was first, you know, invented and I can remember back there was... Back in my day. Back in my day. But I can remember the time when it was like unacceptable to play D&D, &D, how much of a social stigma there was around that related to a lot of other things. But yeah. it was like, my gosh, yeah, you almost had to find a secret place to play D&D &D and not tell anybody you were doing it. And it was just like, this is horrible. It's just a game. There was that stigma and it was even more than, I don't know if there could be more than that, but it was really a negative thing for a lot of people, either they'd never played again or it took them a long time to get to the point where they found this reawakening of it that you're talking about where it was cool to be a nerd. I mean... <laughs> I was playing it at my high school after school with, you know, a couple of groups of young people. That's how accepted it is now. And that was really cool. There's that aspect of it for sure. For me, a lot of it is the hobby. A lot of it is what's cool. And if I win, 
You know, it's great. I'm willing to put in a certain amount of time, but I'm not willing to put in. And I'll be honest, I know that I don't put in the time that's necessary for me to go to that next level with an army. I can get plenty of help optimizing it and making it just amazing. But I also know that the other aspect of that is playing the game, not six, not eight, like 20 games with that army. Yeah, are you willing to put in 50 hours plus of yeah. your time to really understand what it takes to, to win do, to do this right with this army yeah and doing all those little adjustments every time you know again that's a time investment i'm not a person that's willing to invest that kind of time just to go three and two or four and one but i still enjoy the heck out of the uh, game my old is getting an a in this college class <laughs> worth it or can i stop here and get the b <laughs> and enjoy my life yeah <laughs> right so that's kind of my perspective on you know why and how i play this game and i certainly love the hobby you know my falling out with 40k is another example of taking a break. Am, am I ever going to play 40K again? I don't think so. Okay, Brendan, I know about the never thing. Never's a long yes, time and always arrives a lot sooner than we thought it would. Kenny, I always have to allow him to say that when I say the word never. I just know it's coming. I just don't know that I'm going to have... Only enough a interest feels in absolutes. Correct. But there are other things, you know, heresies here having some interest in that. And I think it seems like the community is growing. I think that's it for us. Any other comments, gents, that we want to make or thoughts? Yeah, if I can, but you, you yeah, please. There that I think is important to know. You guys are 40K, leaving 40K. Each community, obviously, where you are is going to be as, you know, special as well. But overall, there's some general unique points to each community, meaning like 40K, Age of Sigmar, or you know, Heresy, or Historical Managers, or whatever it is. And maybe if you're not liking some aspects of your scene, that you know, there are other ones out there that are going to be, they're not necessarily going to all be the same. One thing about Heresy that I think is great, and Sigmar almost as much, is I feel pretty confident I can go anywhere in the world, which because I did, and <laughs> be able to sit down and play like this person in Heresy, this person Sigmar, and feel very confident that they're pretty much kind of on the same page I am as far as like, what do I want to accomplish and get out of this game here mm. with this person standing in front of me over the next few hours? Yeah, that's a great point. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, you know, as, as a podcaster, one of the things I look at is our stats and it always just absolutely stuns me when I look at the number of people in other countries that listen to our show. I don't even think about it. But then when I look at the people, you know, in Canada and England and France and Germany, and you mentioned Sweden and Australia and New Zealand, all these other countries, Japan, you know, like, mm. really? These people are listening to this podcast? It's very niche. Like, I do, like, <laughs> we talk bizarre. about, like, very regional and local things. Um, yeah, and... I hope you enjoy, you know, Southeast Wisconsin Warhammer. <laughs> but to your point, Kenny, it's like, yeah, I could go to any of those countries countries and that's really cool that's a great point and they're listening to this show because they play the same game with the same rules i think you guys are pretty hard i can't say i'm responsible for your worldwide listening we accept all contributions man just so you know all right, gents. Well, thank you very much for that conversation. Listeners, as always, we hope this was helpful and provides you with something to think about and something to talk about with other people in your hobby group or whoever else. And with that, then, we are going to move on to Scriptorium. Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, Scriptorium time, folks. And we got several new releases again. Kind of interesting. First of all, we got a Fabius Bile Omnibus. So if you are an Emperor's Children fan, although if you're an Emperor's Children fan, you may not be a Fabius Bile fan. If you are a Fabius fan, this is 
a great set of books. We've got a new book called Outgunned, which is an aeronautica book, interestingly enough. New Hero, that kind of stuff sounds interesting if you're into that part of the Imperial Navy. We've got the Wraithbone Phoenix and the two characters... It's really interesting. They're called Baggett and Claude, and one is a Rattling, and the other one is an Ogren. So, like, what a perfect combination of misfits, man. It almost sounds like it would just be fun to listen to because of them. That sounds fun. Wraithbone Phoenix. We've also got books to go with our figs. So, Cato was the vampire lord we talked about. He's got a new book called The Hollow King that's going to be coming out. And then Drekki's got a book called Argonauts Oath. So if you were a KO fan, if you were a Soul Blight fan, you might want to give those books a try. So those are all new things either pre-ordered this weekend or already out. You might want to look at those. Kenny, how about you for reads, listens, watches, those kind of things? I guess TV-wise, I went through the Sandman series on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Neil Gaiman one. It was very good. I'm very glad that I watched it. I haven't really done the comic books. I read like one issue, I think, you know, decades ago. But sure. that's pretty much for that. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm doing my, uh, for inspiration, rewatching the, of course, extended versions of the Hobbit movies and the Lord of the Rings movies right now. Right. So that kind of helps me, especially getting ready for this event. Very cool. Helps me, uh, awesome. you know, get some motivation there. And then as far as listens, I went through some heresy books recently, audiobooks that most recently the Looper Cow's War, which is like a collection of already existing stories. Yes. And uh, I was told that the Gotrick series, because I was going to go back through that over again, in the Sigmar version, that Soul Slayer, the newest one, is like just incredible. It's amazing. It's the best one. And I'm almost done with it right now. And I have to say, like... Oh, it's just so great. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. I've heard from many different people, like, you gotta, you gotta read it. You gotta read it. Like, holy crap. Like, this is... Yeah. It's a really good story. Did you finish story. it yet? Yeah, I'm like three chapters away. The humor is great in there, and Darius Hanks is really good at yes. things portraying dark, demonic things, things that are just kind of eerie. You know, so him, him writing the, the Deepkin and the writing out, actually, you know, narratively, like, the soul curse, what they do, and, and how that affects people after they leave with their memories and I just think he did a really great job of bringing like everything in that book to light and it matches up so beautifully with the narrative in the battle tome so yeah I agree very very cool and yeah I guess we do Oh my, okay, sorry, I'll wait for you to do your Sunday reveal thing. Okay, cool, all right. Oh my god! That was an awesome tease, man, that was perfect. That that stays. Brendan, what are you you doing? Everybody's like, let's go to show clothes now. I have been working my way through a book called How to Build a Car. It is the biography of almost inarguably greatest Formula One car designer in the history of the sport, Adrian Newey. Basically from the late 80s into modern day, he is the King Midas of turning your team around. Oh, wow. Every single team he goes to, they win. Fascinating to hear about the way that he approaches design and the way that he thinks about some of this stuff. He doesn't get into the specific specifics because he still is in the sport, right? And on an incredibly successful team and all of that fun stuff. That's been a good listen. I've got like three more hours to go or something like that. i got to finish up Westworld because tonight starts House of the Dragon, the oh. Game of Thrones prequel. Starts tonight. Mm-hmm. And well, for listeners, a week ago. Yeah. That's what I've been up to. Okay, cool. Yours is a shorter list than usual. Yeah. Me. So I finished Wellington's Light Division. Just for the reasons stated in the last episode, it was just a great book. A great read. I started Undaunted Courage, which is the Lewis and Clark book by Stephen Ambrose. Excellent. It is so Ambrose, though, where, you know, he gives you all the background. Like, he really focuses on Meriwether Lewis who's really the guy who organized everything and got the expedition started and and moving out west. He talks about just from his birth up through, you know, childhood and where he grew up, how he grew up, 
fascinating. And it really is interesting because as you look at what he learned and how he learned it throughout his life, you understand that he had the exact skill set that somebody would need to do what he did. It just, it's really so cool that it all lined up the way it did. One of the other things that Ambrose is really good is putting things in context. There's one point in the book that I was just reading this morning where, you know, Jefferson has just become the president. He was talking about, well, let's talk about the turn of the century in America. Like, where was America at this time? And he goes, America as a country could not move people or goods any faster than the Romans and Greeks could. Like, 1500 years earlier and you're going what i didn't even think about that but there was no steam you know so there were no trains there were no steamboats there was nothing now 60 years later you know just that short period of time when lincoln was president they had all those things but at the time when lewis and clark went west everything was by horse or ox or whatever that's just really bizarre to think about that all that time had passed and nothing had developed to improve transportation it was a neat perspective to read as you're looking towards the rest of the story. So anyway, very, very good. I started Dark City. I decided to go with that book. So it's the 40K book on Terra. An Inquisitor and his interrogator is really where the story focuses because the Inquisitor Krull, he's disappeared. And she's trying to kind of find out where he's gone. So very, very good. Listen, Darknet Diaries for podcasts. As always, love it. Learn a lot. And then I watched uh, Alita Battle Angel, which I know it's an older movie, but I really enjoy it. Especially watching movies when I'm on the rowing machine is just perfect. It, it makes the time pass really quickly. The other thing, big news, is that season four of Love, Death, and Robots has been verified. So they are coming back for another season. And I just absolutely love that show. It's one of the only shows that I ever... You're super passionate about this show. ...binge to get through them all. (laughs) Yeah, you certainly have to have a bit of an open mind because... The animation's very interesting. The stories are very different, but I'm so excited that they're going to come back, even if it's only like six or seven episodes. I don't care. I mean, whatever it is. So that's very cool. And do you have a recommendation? I'm going to be driving a round trip from you know Wisconsin to Maryland or D.C. for Nova. So it's usually probably three audiobooks I can do total round trip. I have a pile, but I'm just curious if you have any recommendations. You know what? I'll email you something. Let me do that. Because off the cuff, I can't think of anything, but I know I've got plenty that I could drop for you. I'll send you an email today. Perfect. Thanks. uh, Get that for you. Sure. No problem. Uh, Gents, we're going to move on to this or that. And Kenny, we're going to each hit you up with four questions. You're going to fire a couple back. So that's the plan, and on we go. Okay, Brendan, you get to decide which one of us asks questions first, as always. I'll start asking Kenny questions. Okay, sure, absolutely. So, Kenny, as we talked about, you were one of three Fire Slayers players in the world. Um, (laughs) So so you have the depth of knowledge to be able to answer this question. What is your favorite Fire Slayers list through all of the editions of Mm. Fire Slayer? Open-ended question. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Favorite list? Yeah. 
Probably the one where I had mostly Grimwrath Berserkers running around. Mm. I had two Magma Draws and just uh, a whole host of Grimwrath Berserkers. And they just ran around and uh, they were tunneled up by the Rune Spiners. And people would zone out for a unit of 10, but not like two 32 mil bases. And then I could just get in there and throw stuff. This is before now, which they're even better because they have like an, a certain oath or rules you give them. But they were just so much fun, just popping up everywhere, causing havoc. And you know, they would let them go and like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> he used to have a, his save would get better for each unit he was in combat with. So he basically could get down to like a 2 of ward save. Or like a, I used to call it a hair save. But uh, do you know, feel no pain or uh, after damage mitigation, whatever you want to do. But yeah, a lot of Grim Method Berserkers just running around causing mayhem. It was so much fun. If you got to change anything in the game of Age of Sigmar, what is the thing that you would change? Rules, lore, models? Ooh. You, um, you get to pick one thing. Don't worry, the next two are truly <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> the way terrain interacts with the game. Okay. You want it to be more impactful, I assume? Yeah, I just feel like it's sort of there, and uh, sometimes I even see people, like, do the symmetrical board thing, which doesn't really do it for me. I feel like more than just something that I can stand behind, like, I'd like to have more impact on, you know, I guess on movement especially. Yeah, like some old fantasy impact where, like, you wanted to stay way the heck away from trees if you were certain unit types yeah. and stuff like that. And you could move through them. Sometimes you had dance be... Um, slower to get over there, so be a resource for you know something you have to consider as a general as advancing your army, but also something as a resource you can use to your favor. If you're being attacked, you need to kind of choose your battleground or choose your choke point. Are you more of a morning person or a night person, Kenny? <laughs> I have to say, since I've gotten older and I get up at stupid o'clock for work in the morning, <laughs> probably more of a, a morning person because I'm usually fried by the end of the day. But that's on the weekday. Otherwise, if it's a weekend, more of a night person. So for my fourth question here, I'm going to kick off what I'm hoping to be a new long-standing bit. Who is the better Kenny? Kenny G or Kenny Rogers? It's <laughs> great. Oh, man. Kenny Rogers. Okay. Cool. No Kenny should have a perm. My questions here, the first one is if you are going to paint a showcase model or play with, it could be either one, Nagash or Alariel. Alariel. And why? Probably just for the fact that I haven't done anything with death, okay. like at all. So, I mean, okay. if I did have to start painting a death model, I guess Nagash would be daunting, but not so bad. It's mostly, I think it's more the beetle than it is her. <laughs> I think I would like to paint the massive wardrobe beetle. Food question. Brats or hamburgers? Brats. Brats, okay. Believe it or not, I've never really been a hamburger person. I just huh. ate other things. You know, even okay. if I go to, like, fast food to get, like, you know, chicken sure. nuggets or something like that. But I've never been much of a hamburger person. Yeah. Somebody is going to give you enough money to buy one of two vehicles. You can either buy a brand new pickup truck or a brand new motorcycle. Ooh, these questions today. Well, first of all, to that person who gave me the money, sucker. <laughs> Probably have to say the pickup truck because, like, I, so I, I drive a Mini Cooper and I'm going to continue to have minis, I think. Okay. And it's space is somewhat of an issue I'm learning. It's a compromise you have to make. So, you know, pickup truck, I could maybe move some stuff in a bit more than I could sure. a motorcycle. All right. And then the final one is a dice question. So, would you prefer games that are D6 based or games that have other dice as part of the gaming system, like D8s, D10? whatever else, and including D6s. I think the appeal of, of different dice is nice, but I have to remember Kenonomics, which is basically what you will get an obscene amount of failures in whatever the role is. You just won't get the result you need. And so I open up more dice beyond D6s. It's more roles for me to mess up somehow. Okay. So I'd probably keep it for just D6s. Okay, fair. That's it. That's my questions. 
Okay, so, so I'm asking one. You can ask one, one question. To, one to each, or both to one of us. Doesn't matter. However, you want to do it. I, I, could I just have both of you answer each question? Sure, we could do that too. Okay, so the first one: Drecky Flint or Cato as a car. Cato. So this is the two models that just came out or for Black Library. Cato. Cato. Hands down. Cato. Cato. Okay. Cato. I am not a big KO fan, so I'm not ever going to do that. Yeah. Super cool sculpt. Neat rules. Vampire Lord. Slightly cheaper Vampire Lord. Doesn't have the sweet command ability, but that's okay. <laughs> Kato all day here. Okay. The other one for both of you then. So let's say that cost is no object. Like the trip itself is going to be covered. Ooh. Would you rather go to a well-known GT that takes place in Warhammer World or one that's unofficial, that's done like Adepticon or uh, what was that one called <laughs> up north? That just uh, that's gone now. We used to drink all the time. Wapaka. Wapaka. Yeah. <laughs> See, drank too much. Um, <laughs> so, something like that at Warhammer World, where you, you'll get a chance to, you know, and even you could tack on and say you're going to lead a seminar, teach a class. Are you going to do it on? Something more hobby based or something more lore based. So give you two points. So first of all, Warhammer World first, or a place here, or a place here, like in the U.S. Uh, like yeah, the, let's, let's say Adepticon. Now, would you rather have an all expense paid trip to go and play at an event at Warhammer World or at Adepticon? Oh, this is a no brainer. This is Warhammer World. Like I can go to Adepticon whenever <laughs> I want. Mm -hmm. It's ninety minutes from my house. Sure. No brainer. Easy. Yeah. However you feel about. You know, Games Workshop for me, it's one of those pilgrimage things, you know, where it's yep. the place. It's where all this stuff originates. All the ideas, all the people, all the stuff. And just being able to go there and walk around and hang out and then play games there would be a really awesome experience. That would be very cool. I tacked on a second part. I'm pretty yeah, sure I know no, your answers, go ahead, but please. let's just say that while you're there at this event, that you've been tapped to lead a seminar or teach a small class about either being competitive play or about the hobby and, and lower side, the narrative version. Well, I bet you can guess the answer for both of us. Yeah, I pretty much got go, it, but I want to ask ahead, you anyway. Brendan. <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to hear me teach a class on lore or hobby <laughs> stuff. I think it has to be competitive by default, or that's going to be a very <laughs> empty room, or it's going to be people attending like out of irony of like, let's go look at this pileup. Yeah, for me, it'd be to have some kind of a lore discussion with people and have a bunch of questions that people had asked and try to answer those or discuss something new that had come out for a faction maybe, something like that. Or, oh, Heresy, I, I think most people who are Heresy fans can talk about it all day and night. It'd definitely be the narrative side but for not me. all afternoon. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then, gents, we're moving on, and it's time for that magical show close. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Brendan, we have some Sunday announcements. We do have some Sunday announcements. The Sunday announcement is led by a Black Library announcement. Oh, okay. The Echoes of Eternity, the seventh volume of the Siege oh. of Terror. It's going up for pre-order. Kenny, that was your reaction, yes? There. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I need an adult. I need Why, Brendan... What versions of this book could you possibly buy next Saturday? You can buy the limited edition hardback book. You can buy the hardback. You can buy the softback. That's so you nice. You can buy the ebook and MP3. Wow. All at the same time. All at that the same is time. crazed. And they haven't been doing that. That's what's really no. cool. That is really neat. You get the hardback right away. That is very, very cool. 
I'm uh, still going to buy the limited just for the collection. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry, I got a little squee there. Sorry. No, no that was show. great, man. It was a great tease. <laughs> I'm getting cuckled. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, so beyond that, there are some Chaos Space Marine models you can buy. There's a Combat Patrol Chaos Demons, which is you know universal to uh, both game sets. The Codex Chaos Demons... Also nice. coming out for nice. 40k. Mm-hmm. And then you have some classic made-to-order Horrors of Zinch, Flamers of Zinch, Beast of Nurgle, and Karanak, as well as the Mask. Okay. And then some Blood Bowl stuff, and that's it. There okay. Is. Dan, you asked me before the show what I thought the previews were going to be, and I said something meaningless. Yeah. And I was almost right. <laughs> yeah, ex- with the exception of the book, yes, yeah. absolutely. Q&A. Do you have a Q&A question? Did I, somebody ask I you? did get one. Okay. I have a stockpile of them. Yeah. Question from currently undefeated at NashCon, Tyler Emerson. <laughs> what what differentiates... He's 4-0 going into game five. Oh. What differentiates a good AOS player from a great AOS player? I don't know, uh, Brendan. What do you think? answer the question? Yeah, because uh, so I know the difference between a great ex- a great AOS player and an excellent AOS player. The difference is luck. The difference between a good AOS player and a great <laughs> AOS player is preparation, preparedness for the situation. It's okay that you're potentially going to be entering a bad mission or a bad matchup, but understanding your path to victory is what moves people into the great category and then from there the excellent category is can your dice land in the right place at the right time yeah for me it'd be the same thing as preparation playing enough games understanding your army well enough not just that understanding it more than well enough just having all those because just understanding your army i think makes someone a good player understanding your army in the context of everything else Mm -hmm. is what makes you a great player okay awesome all right, so my one question is from Tom, mm-hmm. and he is asking you, Brendan, oh, a question. Yeah, he is asking you, which is the next Slanesh model that you want to paint that you haven't painted already? I assume that he meant that you haven't painted already. Yeah, I really want to paint that hero, the guy who's in, like, the throne. Oh, Glutus? Yeah. Oh, the big guy. That's yeah, it. yeah, the new guy. Yeah, ooh, yeah. good man, good man. I really want to paint that, but I need to get my scheme right on my mortals first, right? Because I'm trying to match demons that Nick painted for me. i got to get that all right on the mortals, and then I can paint Utos. Okay, well, there we go. So, okay. Kind of doing the same thing. Episode 105, we'll figure it out, just like we figured this one out. We'll come <laughs> up with something interesting, and maybe we'll have a guest. We might talk heresy, we might not. We'll see. As always. Okay. This episode, even though we're recording a little earlier than we usually do will be released next weekend so the weekend of like the 27th 28th is when this episode will be released so every two weeks listeners we're still going to try for as we have uh even though brendan's busy as hell and so popular yeah (laughs) everyone wants to hang out with me yeah of course just gonna just gonna brush that off no anyway so hot right now. Yeah, so hot right so now. <laughs> God. Yeah, like literally I can see his head expanding when he says things like that. Ah, uh, the fall of Brendan. <laughs> that is it. And Kenny, it's just been great to have you here. Thank yeah, you so thanks, much. Yeah, thanks, man. I made my dream. My Make-A-Wish Foundation thing. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'll send you some dates to have cool, you guys man. on. Did you uh, think? I know you're waiting for me to send you some dates. I'll, I'll send you some to get you guys on combat phase. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. And I owe you some uh, recommendations for some audiobooks, and I will definitely send those to you. All right. Listeners, thank you for being here. Brendan, thanks as always for joining us, bud. Of course. And you guys stay safe. 
stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something. Bye. This is.